Trafficking is a risk to your business, a risk to your share price, a risk to your bottom line, a risk to your reputation. Uh, we all know how fast a brand can drop with technology. Welcome to We Talk IoT, a regular series of podcasts from the editors of Smart Industry, the IoT business magazine. This podcast is brought to you by Avnet Silica in cooperation with Microsoft. Hi, I'm Tim Cole, the editor-in-chief of Smart Industry, the IoT business magazine. Most people think slavery is a thing of the past since William Wilberforce led the movement to abolish the slave trade way back in 1807. But not so, says Ruth Dearnley, a social change strategist and CEO of Stop the Traffic, an NGO created in 2008 with the goal of preventing and raising awareness of human trafficking. Ruth, tell me, just how widespread is slavery still today, and what are you doing to make it finally go away? Well, thanks, Tim, for inviting me on. Um, and intriguing to think of this as it's big business. This is business that is a global business which is so organised, has such fantastic supply chains, and it's got a fantastic bottom line. The selling and exploitation of human beings has never gone away. I mean, it's it's steeped in our history as far as we uh, can remember and and research and know the exploitation and suppression of human beings, but it's risen to the top. It's the fastest growing global crime because people are just such a great product. Um, with a person, you can exploit them in all sorts of ways. They're adaptable. You can move them. Um, and, and at the size that we now, um, the estimate, uh, uh, present estimate, and they, they do alter and change, is around uh, $240 billion worth of profit and up to 40 plus million people. I say estimate because for this crime, you only count what you can see. But of course, slave trading and human trafficking are crimes in most countries. Is it still legal anywhere at all? No, it's not. It's not legal. In fact, there are laws in almost every country that human trafficking is illegal, and yet it thrives. And it thrives because it can act in um, a way that lives under our radar. We accept it. It lives within our culture, all of us, that sees it as something that either we're blind to or it sits comfortably in the way we are. Well, give us a few examples, please. Trafficking is a, a means of making money. And that's why I say it's a business. It's profit is everything. No trafficker gets up in the morning and thinks that they're doing this other than in order to make a profit. So to do that, traffickers need uh, three things. They need to be able to recruit. And so in recruiting, they need to be able to find people that they can then exploit. At the moment, we have a very interesting estimate that they need at least 8 million a year to sustain their business model. And the truth is, they can get that easily. You and I are not going to notice walking down the street that there are people who um, are being groomed or who are caught in trafficking. You see, the clever thing about trafficking is 
in present day, there aren't chains, there aren't signs outwardly, like many years ago where we would uh, spot somebody who was being trapped. For now, we would pass them on the street. So for a recruiter, they are looking for someone that they can exploit into sexual exploitation. Um, And that might be somebody who on this call, people would never perceive that they were operating under threat or at risk to their own life. It might look as though it's consensual. And then secondly, labour trafficking. We're all wearing clothes that none of us at the moment can be absolutely certain that the hands that made them weren't trafficked and weren't exploited and weren't a form of exploitative labour somewhere in the supply chain. Or we're actually moving our money through systems and the money moving through our systems is through legitimate financial flows through our banks. And that money is the proceeds of crime. And that is why in all these aspects, this crime, this huge global criminal business, comfortably exists within our everyday lives. So does that mean essentially you are an arm of the police? What do you do when you detect a case? You go to the police authorities, they arrest people? So no, we're not an arm of the police. In fact, stop it when we started uh, back in, uh, we, we were conceived in 2005, with a commitment at the time, although there wasn't a huge amount of noise and energy around trafficking, to actually seek to prevent the buying and selling of human beings. And my learning, having led Stop the Traffic across those years, uh, along with those who have journeyed with me, is that We're never going to stop this if we perceive that this is someone else's job. If this is the job of enforcement, uh, law enforcement anywhere in the world, they have a really important role to play. They have a role in form of arrest and to be able to prosecute through the judicial processes. But we're never going to arrest our way out of this crime because it's too big and the resources that are required are far too small. And also because in some places, sadly, in the world, it is the law enforcement that are complicit in the crime. We also need communities. We need social society. We need um, those who look at us and look down our streets and realise that we know more about our neighbourhood than anywhere, anyone else. We understand and notice things that don't feel quite right. We're the ones that go to the station and notice that somebody is begging on the side of the station. And yesterday, the child they carried was a different child. And tomorrow, it's a different child. We're the ones that would notice that. Communities are the places where we hold people, where we understand who our neighbours are. Law enforcement will never arrest our way out. Communities where the information is held. And then we've got the real power of finance and business. Finance and business are the supply chains and the money flows that reach across our world. And you provide these people with uh, information about trafficking so that they will not source from companies that use these illegal methods. Everyone is important to the network of networks to understand how trafficking happens. To truly understand, we need to gather the fragmented pieces of information that everybody holds into a place. So banks hold information about how trafficking operates. They hold it through 
financial transactions, but they can't really see anything else. Businesses hold it because they begin to understand they have a risk to their business down their supply chains, how their money works, their labor employment processes, how they and where they rent their premises, their employee travel. All these aspects are where trafficking can meet a business model. And yet the richest information is where the community lies. And the not-for-profits who have committed themselves and their service often to go and rescue and rehabilitate those who have been victims. So how does modern technology, such as the Internet of Things, help you to use this information more productively and stop trafficking? So at Stop the Traffic, we uh, began to realise quite a while ago that if all, all these pockets of information are held in different places, we need to gather them together. Um, we formed a relationship and a partnership with IBM uh, about seven or eight years ago. And that relationship grew in that they, pro bono, uh, gave us some cloud space and some tools to begin with. And we began to see if we could collect some of those information data sets and put them together, what did we see? And our aim in this, remember, was prevention. So our aim was to look at patterns, trends, and hotspots of where the intersection of these different data sets uh, guided us to. And that's grown. That uh, early stage experimentation has grown. Um, the biggest challenge that we found wasn't the technology, because you can learn that, it was actually enabling and encouraging people to share what they knew, because everybody keeps what they know in their space. So the revolution is the growing sense that by sharing what information you have in your space into the bigger pot of data, pool of data, you can see more. And when you can see more, you can begin to identify where some of the risks are for you. And all of this in terms of a business, a financial institution coming, is trafficking is a risk. Trafficking is a risk to your business, a risk to your share price, a risk to your bottom line, a risk to your reputation. Uh, we all know how fast a brand can drop with technology. What is your business model? Do you sell this information to companies? Uh, no, Stop the Traffic doesn't sell information. Stop the Traffic is a provider of uh, consultancy. One of the things we do uh, with businesses and have done across 13 businesses in a deep dive is working right alongside business so that they can begin to share some of their information around their supply chain so that we can work and match and pool data together to understand where the weaknesses are, where the suppliers are, where the hotspots are, where the labour uh, risks are, and to be able to reduce that risk. And we've seen some amazing results with that, where businesses have journeyed with us over five or six years because they've really begun to see the deeper you go. Because trafficking is a systemic um, crime, we have to be systemic in our solution. In terms of the bigger scaling of data, Traffic Analysis Hub is um, a company, is a not-for-profit that we gave birth to with IBM three years ago. It is its own uh, organization, charity, and it is a scaled-up version of data sharing. And there you will see participants joining for a membership fee if you're 
a business or a bank uh, purely for its own sustaining. So it's at a very low rate. And the idea of that is the very key to unlocking the, the, the ability to disrupt trafficking is people are coming and bringing different data sets and by that through the technology and the architecture that IBM have built at a large scale be able to use multiplying tools to analyze what is going on and there's some very exciting results coming out of that. Stop the Traffic recently launched a report to inform and resource investors and directors across businesses to consider risks and impact of trafficking. What's their reaction so far? Um, I think business is not only critical and needs to lead the way, but is actually the, and the people we met really excited because this has to be the future of how good business works. There is nothing wrong with transparency at all. In fact, transparency is the key to unlocking what we can't see, the crime that's hidden or the crime that is um, hidden in plain sight. But to a business, it's also the key to success. Because if you've got nothing to hide, then it doesn't matter where the light shines. And I think for a customer, for a shareholder, for an employee, we are realizing and also seeing that companies and businesses who engage with us are seeing employee engagement increase in all sorts of ways. Many of the employees then want to work alongside Stop the Traffic in their communities, want to volunteer, want to uh, get engaged in the bigger fight. So in all things, this is good news. I understand that you are not in the business of doing this for profit, but there are other rewards. In 2014, Queen Elizabeth made you an OBE, a Knight of the Order of the British Empire. So shouldn't I be calling you Dame Ruth? Um, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm certainly not in the in the echelons of uh, of Dame. I am Ruth, and I uh, said at the time, um, slightly awkward in in receiving it. Very honoured. Um, this is everybody else's efforts. Um, I am just the person coming to talk to you. But again, we can only tackle this because we are a network of networks, the Internet of Things. I have met the most incredible people along the last 15 years uh, from business, from banking, uh, from law enforcement, from intelligence, uh, from uh, civil society, people who have served and rescued uh, and looked to um care for survivors all their lives. They, they are the people who, who actually recognise and need to be recognised in this award. And it's only together, it is only together with business that we will ever be able to stop the traffic. Well, you yourself sound like a very fascinating person. I am very thankful that you gave us the opportunity to listen to you and share your insights about this evil thing that goes on below the surface. I hope that our readers will be much more attuned and on their watch when it comes to things like human trafficking and sex work and things like that. Thank you very much, Ruth Dernley of Stop the Traffic, uh, an NGO, and uh, we'll possibly hear from you again sometime. Thank you. We Talk IoT, the smart industry podcast, is sponsored by Microsoft. Microsoft Azure IoT Hub, 
highly secure and reliable communication between your IoT application and the devices it manages. Azure IoT Hub provides a cloud-hosted solution backend to virtually connect any device. Extend your solution from the cloud to the edge with per-device authentication, built-in device management, and scaled provisioning. If you need an industrial IoT solution based on Microsoft IoT Hub, then Avnet IoT Connect is your perfect choice. A standardized way to harness IoT so your business can quickly build smart apps and solutions based on the Azure platform. Vox Telecom is an up-and-coming South African provider of telecommunications and data services established in 1988 and headquartered in Johannesburg. Joining us today is Rudy Potrito of Fox. And uh, since your firm has been partnering with Squidnet, the leading provider of Internet for Things in South Africa, um, you position yourself as a network-neutral platform provider and support other low-power one technologies as NB-IoT, LTM1, LoRaN, and of course, Sigfox. Do you have any personal preferences? So no, thank you so much for the opportunity. So, so, so definitely not, not as rightfully so said, we are um, uh, network agnostic at the moment. And for the current state of things, uh, Sigfox, with the help uh, locally of SquidNet, has made the Sigfox network extremely accessible in South Africa. They, they cover over 95% of populated uh, South Africa, which means it uh, doesn't matter whether you're going to a far-lying, outlying uh, little rural town or in a major metropolitan, they've got coverage there. I, I don't say that that won't, will never change. I've, I've, I've got a personal saying that says the only thing constant in technology are the changes. So I never know what brings tomorrow, which, which is why we network agnostic to allow us to look around. But for the moment, they definitely service our need. I think it's very important to, to note that Africa as a continent and definitely South Africa as a, as a country is a developing country. And in developing countries, we are extremely price sensitive. Pre-networks uh, uh, such as Sigfox is launched in South Africa, it was highly expensive to use GSM bands to try and roll out uh, uh, IoT solutions, which is why IoT was not so widely, widely uh, adopted and, and, and widely used in, in the country. With Sigfox, they definitely tick that box in bringing us a, a cost-effective, low-cost network with far reach across the country. So definitely for the foreseeable future, they're a partner that we take to market. Agriculture is obviously big in South Africa, and I've heard that Vox is making inroads into the application of IoT in farming. Could you talk about that? Yes, Tim, thanks. Um, so, so we've been beating the IoT drum for the last at least three to four years. Agriculture being not only part of a major part of our economy, it's also part of our culture at Vox. We, we are very close to the agricultural uh, uh, in, economy in, in South Africa. It's something that we love and that we cherish and that we really would like to see a flourish in, the, in this new world of connected uh, universe and technology. We, we started off and, and have been very successful in animal tracking in, in the world of agriculture. I think the adoption rate has been quite slow. Um, th there's a lot of solutions that, that we are trying out there in the field where we look at automating potential production lines, looking at, at tracking of produce from farmland all the way into stores. But I think at the moment we are hampered slightly by the, the adoption 
adoption rate of technology by the end user. Again, we're quite price sensitive. And, and every little cent you add on to a product uh, uh, when it comes to, to the actual produce thereof uh, ends up hurting the consumer product. Uh, pardon me, the consumer uh, pocket. So essentially, where we've been successful and we've made lots of inroads is, is in the tracking of animals. As for the rest, I think the future is very near future, is very bright, and, and a lot of changes will happen soon. Your company appears to be exploring all kinds of unconventional applications for IoT technology. You, for instance, are executive head of a division you call Guardian Eye. Can you tell us more about that? We started this business about 10 years ago. In those days, uh, Vox Telecoms was was just that. We were a telecom service provider. Today, we are, a, we are an IT, ICT systems integrator with over 173 products we take to market. 10 years ago, the thought was, how do we make ourselves more relevant than our clients? How do we give our clients more value for money when they buy connectivity from Vox Telecoms? And one of the products we came up with was uh, offsite monitoring. So 10 years ago, we started using the data links that we, we put into our client base to, after hours, monitor their cameras in a central nerve center based in Johannesburg. Fast forward 10 years, and we've taken that sort of concept and we evolved it into a technology offsite monitoring center. So, so whether it's, a, and, and I'm a big proponent to say a camera is also just the sensor. If I take the metadata out of that camera, I could do retail analytics, I can, I can plan for COVID, I can do fever screening, there's so much more you can do with it. So I see it as purely a, another sensor on the network. So fast forward 10 years, we've taken an array of sensors into a nerve center, we refer to it as our nerve center, and we monitor the, these sensors and we manage any escalation. So let's go back to my, my farmer scenario where a farmer manages and tracks his cattle. Farmers do sleep. I know they do very little thereof, but they do sleep. So when the farmer goes to bed at, at 10 o'clock at night and maybe only wakes up at 3 or 4, 4 a.m. the next morning, during that period, who monitors his cattle for erratic behavior, for erratic movement? Who alert or, or acts on that, that text message or push notification alert the farmer gets on his mobile phone? Us in the nerve center can do that. So the synergies were just so much in place for us to bring the two worlds together that, that, that the Guardian Eye business unit at, at Vox encompasses our IoT business as well as our physical security business. Talking about innovative applications, you are currently partnering with the French organization Senioradom to provide IoT-enabled assistance for the elderly, branded Vox ICE. What does that stand for and what does it do? So, so ICE is an acronym locally and I think mostly internationally for in case of emergency. So firstly, Senioradom we came across the technology last year at the uh, the Sigfox Partner event when it was a, still a physical event. We thought it was a phenomenal product. I recently spoke at a Sigfox event and I said that in South Africa, we, we cherish and love our elderly. We do not discard our el elderly, even though because of urbanization, most of us move away from parents when we leave school. We move to the big city to, to get, a, get a decent job. We still love them and we still want to care for them. The Advent of COVID, South Africa went into hard lockdown. I think most of Europe currently is in hard lockdown. And that meant that I could not communicate with uh, my mother who lives in a small rural town other than a phone call. Nobody was allowed to physically go and visit her. With a developing country means we, we often, more often than not, have power cuts, which means telephones don't work, mobile phones don't work. And, and the nature of our culture is just so kicking against that. So, so when we came across this product a year ago, we just knew it would work in our, in our world. So, so Voxice is, is a smart 
TeleK or, or Signora Dome is a smart TeleK solution that uses sensors that gathers anonymous information, processes this information through algorithms in the cloud, and then reports on the app normal. So let me dumb that down a little bit and let me defunct all that noise a little bit and explain it in layman's term. Essentially, it alerts on things such as lack of movement, rapid movement, doors being left open late at night, movement in, in uncertain times, etc., etc. That alert gets escalated either to, to a local loved one on a mobile phone, to a caregiver, or even to a nerve center or control center like the Vox Guardian Eye Control Center, who can then act and dispatch emergency uh, personnel on it. Unbelievable solution, again, made, made uh, possible and affordable by networks such as Sigfox, because I do not have to rely on, on, on expensive GSM-based technology that drains my batteries to roll the product out. I can, I can use a, a low-energy, low-cost network rolled out across my country, and we can take the solution to anywhere where there's an old person that's loved by people who lived far away. How do you market the system to end users? Can I buy the product, or do I have to go through a provider? Yeah, so, so no, we are that provider that takes the market directly to the end user. Uh, we've got a very strong e-commerce platform and e-commerce presence. Locally as Vox, we employ over 600 direct salespeople. We have uh, a further 1,000 business partners that takes our product to market. And for the Voxize product, we've actually extended that force to onboard specialists. So we've onboarded specialist salespeople that specializes in the medical industry. We've onboarded specialist business partners that specialize in, the, in that uh, industry to take the product to market. So, so it would either be through one of our channels, our, as we refer to them, our, our workforce, our boots on the, on the ground that run around and, and spread our gospel, or it will be online through an online transaction. The service is unbelievably it is easy to install. You do not even have to drill holes in the wall. It's mounted with double-sided tape that comes with the unit. So it's really a self-install. But again, what makes Vox unique in our local economy is that we have got technical representation across the country. Um, so if you do really want us to come and install it, we'll send one of our guys with a, with a van out and, and they'll assist very, very easily to, to get you set up and running. Just the last note, Tim, is the algorithms in the application takes as little as a couple of days to start understanding what's normal and what's abnormal in an environment. So it's not a case that where I need to install sensors and the machines take takes a, a, a month, two, three, six months to understand and learn what's normal. Within a couple of days, the application will start reporting on abnormal and normal activity within your environment. Uh, how about the acceptance by the elderly? I have seen similar systems that rely on a kind of a necklace that they have to wear around their necks, and many are uncomfortable with this. It's not a nice fashion statement. How do does it work with you? Yeah, so so I think we we our, our cultures and our our environments are very similar. Locally, uh, my mom's seventy three years old. When I first introduced her to the concept, she did not want to hear nothing. She said they're going to spy on me. They're not going to. And then when I introduced her to the actual hardware, she realized it's non invasive. It looks no different than a normal alarm sensor. So it's very similar to your alarm PIRs that you have in your in your house anyway, which gathers the information when you are local. We do have a wearable that we can send out with you when you go outside. But that wearable could come in, in the form of a belt clip. It could come in the form of a key ring. We mold it to the form factor of your choice. So no, we don't want to put a, a pendant in the, around your neck and it looks similar to the, the cows we, we track in the field out in the farmlands. We want to make you, you feel comfortable with it, happy with it, and it's just an extension of your security.
Yes, well, thanks for sharing your insights with us about uh, IoT innovation made in South Africa. That was Rudy Potrito of Fox. Thank you, Tim. And now, one more thing. AI and drones are now being used to track and protect great white sharks. Academics from the University of California and San Diego State have teamed up with AI researchers from Salesforce to create software that can spot sharks swimming around popular beach sites. SharkEye, as the system is called, uses drones to spot sharks from above. The unmanned flying vehicles follow pre-programmed paths at a height of around 120 feet to cover large areas of the ocean without disturbing marine life. The goal of Shark Eye is to one day produce automated shark reports for beachgoers to help them assess levels of risk. The researchers hope this application of AI can help keep beaches safer, encourage a more informed public, and help people learn how to share the waves with wildlife. And perhaps most importantly, they can protect the rebounding populations of great white sharks, top predators that are a healthy part of the California ocean ecosystem, says Duck McCauley, director of the Benioff Ocean Initiative and a professor at the University of California, Santa Barbara. Salesforce AI is using its proprietary Einstein vision algorithm, ordinarily used for visual search, brand detection, and product identification, to process drone video and recognize the unique attributes of sharks, thereby identifying them without the need of physically tagging them. This information will then be shared with local public safety officials and beachside communities, so without ever touching the water, Shark Eye can make sure it's safe for the rest of us to hop in. That was We Talk IoT, the smart industry podcast. You can read all the latest from Smart Industry, the IoT business magazine, by visiting our website at www.smart-industry.net, where you'll find hundreds of feature articles about everything from smart manufacturing and cognitive computing to autonomous driving and how IoT and AI are making business smarter. There, you can sign up to receive our newsletter, smart industry updates. I'm Tim Cole. See you back next month when, once again, we talk IoT.